Welcome to the Compliance 911 Show, a no-nonsense podcast discussing hot topics for today's busy compliance professional. It's everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. And now, here are your hosts, Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting and Len Suzio of Geodata Vision. Welcome to our podcast, everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. Today, I'm joined by Len Suzio, uh, and Len and I have, uh, uh, have, have had the luxury of providing this podcast over the last couple of years, and uh, it's always a pleasure to see you, Len. So what topics do you uh, want to touch upon today? Well, I was thinking about this, Dean, and, and I continue to get calls from my bank clients about community development under the Community Reinvestment Act. Even experienced area officers uh, easily get confused by what that means and how it's interpreted and enforced under the regulation. So I thought having a little refresher session on community development as applied under CRA would be helpful to today's listeners. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're spot on on that. Uh, so how can you help our listeners understand the confusing topic of what a community development means under CRA? I know this has been a complex topic, uh, uh, at least in my experience over the last several years. So covering it in the in the next 10 to 15 minutes is, is going to be a little bit of a challenge, I would say. But uh, help us out, Len. Sure. It's, this will be kind of a speed version of uh, a community development under CRA. I typically teach at least a 90-minute webinar on the topic, uh, and but I think I can cover the basics in this next 10 or 15 minutes. And again, the idea is to kind of make it a refresher course, uh, course for CRA officers. So the first thing someone should know, would want to know, is that there's no single definition of community development as applied under the Community Reinvestment Act. There's actually four different definitions of what qualifies for community development credit under the regulation. The first is affordable housing, which really for the most part applies to only multifamily structures, not single family housing. Although like almost all regulations, there's always an exception, uh, which in this case happens under the investment test as opposed to the lending test. So that's number one, affordable housing. Number two is community services, which are primarily provided for lower moderate income beneficiaries. The third definition is called economic development pertaining to job preservation or job improvement or creation of jobs, primarily for low and moderate income employees. And the fourth, the fourth definition is revitalization or stabilization of low or moderate income census tracts or areas targeted by federal, state, local, or tribal governments for economic development. So those are the four interpretations or the generic definitions of community development as applied under the Community Reinvestment Act. Okay, so there's four definitions. Um, and I know that when I hear expressions like uh, economic development or community services, uh, I think I know uh, what you mean. But my experience dealing with banking regulations tells me that the normal meaning of words often doesn't apply. So, so please, ed so please educate our audience on the on the precise meaning of each of the four definitions in the short period of time that we do have today. Yes, and and Dean, it is a challenge because time and again I've run into people who thought they knew what economic development meant, and uh, and then to their 
unpleasant surprise in the CRA exam. They didn't get credit for sometimes millions of dollars that they put into uh, pro programs uh, that they thought qualified and only to their chagrin during a CRA exam found out that it was, it was a waste of time and money. They got no credit. So let's start out with affordable housing, which what that means is that the occupancy cost of a rental unit cannot exceed 30% uh, of the income of the tenant. And the majority of the tenants must be low or moderate income families. Now, ironically, it's only a majority to have to be lower moderate income. So a bank can get 100% credit for apartment complexes that don't have 100% uh, occupancy by LMI tenants. Uh, they don't have to be 100% to get 100% credit, believe it or not. Uh, and that's something that surprises bankers. They think, oh, I've got to get pro rata credit of 55% of the units are, are uh, affordable for low and moderate income people's people are tenants and they get only 55% of the credit uh, of the amount that's been extended, but that's not true. A bank can also get 100% credit for a co apartment complexes, even when there's less than a majority of affordable units occupied by low or moderate income families, if they have the documentation from the property owner, one, stating that they intend to have affordable housing units targeted for low and moderate income families, two, the loan facility is structured to assure that the affordable housing purpose is fulfilled. In other words, think about set-asides. And three, there are facts that substantiate the purpose is achieved. In other words, rent rolls or HUD subsidized housing or a property owner with a successful track record of providing affordable housing to LMI families. So affordable housing is something that people get tripped up on all the time. They think it applies to single family units. It does not except under the investment test, under the lending test, uh, you, you don't get any credit for a mortgage you make that's affordable for a lower moderate income homeowner. Regarding community services, this is maybe perhaps the easiest uh, uh, definition of community development to qualify under because almost any type of service primarily targeted to lower moderate income families or individuals will suffice. So this would include things like daycare, education, healthcare, uh, mental health counseling, uh, drug counseling, et cetera, you name it, any kind of a service that is primarily benefits low or moderate income persons or low or moderate income families. That's the key. It's got to be not 100% lower moderate income families or persons, but the majority of the beneficiaries of the service should be low or moderate income people. So that's the first two definitions, affordable housing and community services. The third definition is economic development. And it definitely is one of the most confusing topics. I've seen many a banker trip over this because they think, well, economic development, that's one of those things everybody's got a concept in their head what it means. But essentially, under CRA, economic development has a specific meaning, and it means job creation, job preservation, or job improvement primarily for lower moderate income employees. <clears throat> and now that sounds simple, but it's not quite that simple because aside from the fact that you got to involve job creation, preservation, or improvement for lower moderate income people, the employer themselves must qualify according to a size test, which means that the employer's gross annual revenue cannot exceed $1 million a year or, or the company meets the size standards specified in the SBA regulations under part 121 of that regulation. 
And believe it or not, the size standards are pretty liberal in many industries. It all does depend on the industry, however. In some industries, a business can be generating more than $40 million of gross annual revenue or employ more than 500 people and still be qualified under the size test. Most people don't realize it, but all the PPP loans that were processed in 20 and 2021 really did qualify according to the size test because in the PPP loan program, the borrower had to certify that they meet the size standards of the SBA itself. So virtually every uh, PPP application represented a potential uh, loan for that would qualify as economic development under the Community Reinvestment Act. So those are three definitions right there. I, I, I like to repeat things because there's so much to go through. So there's affordable housing, community services, and economic development. The fourth definition uh, under CRA is what's called revitalization, stabilization. Uh, and again, what does that mean? Well, this is the only community, this is the only community development definition where the location matters. A lot of people think, oh, community services or economic development or uh, affordable housing has got to happen in lower moderate income tracts. That's not true. It can happen anywhere. But under the revitalization stabilization definition, location is important. Location matters. So to qualify for this definition, a loan or an investment must be extended in a low or moderate income census tract or a non-metropolitan distressed or underserved middle income census tract or an area targeted by federal, state, local, or tribal government. And the loan or the investment must involve a project that will retain or attract people or businesses to the area, to the census tract itself. That's the key. You've got to show that it's attracting people or businesses to the area. One really helpful thing here is to have some kind of a, a document from a local government or economic development agency saying that the project your bank is financing is consistent with the plans of the local government to revitalize uh, the uh, economics of the local area that you're financing. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's an awful lot, obviously. And I, as we knew, we were going to pack it all in in this short period of time. But aside from understanding the four different definitions of community development, uh, under the regula uh, regulation itself, what else should CRA officers uh, know? And I know that's an awful lot. They're going to have to listen to this oh, podcast yeah. probably 18 times over. But uh, <laughs> Well, let's see. I thought this was going to be a 15-minute podcast, so I'm going to have to keep this uh, uh, succinct. But there's a, really a few tricks to maximizing the community development credit a bank can get. One trick is to extend community development loans in the form of annual lines of credit that are renewed every year. Each time you renew a community development loan, you can get credit for it subject to the once per year rule. So if you wanna maximize the benefit for your bank, make certain you're, you get involved in facilities that are renewable every year. I've seen situations like down in lower Fairfield County, Connecticut, uh, the the uh, housing uh, coalition down there had a program that qualified, but they had the banks renew their commitments only every other year. So basically banks were getting only half the credit they should have been getting. Uh, I remember when I visited down there, I said, you know, you could get, you could help the bankers out a lot if you made these facilities renewable annually as opposed to biannually. And they did change it. So all the banks that participate in that program doubled 
community development credit they were getting under CRA simply by making it a annually renewable facility. <clears throat> Another trick is if you can demonstrate that the loan is flexible and innovative or complex and responsive to community needs, you can get extra credit for any kind of community development loan that you can demonstrate that applies. And believe it or not, it's not all that difficult to do this. All SBA loans, the 7As and the 504s and the micro loans would qualify for this extra credit. Now, some banks do run into trouble when they extend economic development loans that also qualify as small business loans because they must report such loans as small business loans. And I emphasize they must report such loans as small business loans, even, they even though they qualify both as small business and as community development. That happened with a lot of PPP loans, by the way, the smaller ones under a million dollars. <throat> However, a bank undergoing a CRA exam under the Intermediate Small Bank Performance Standards can elect to include any loans that qualify as both small business loans and economic development loans as either type of loan for examination purposes. So even though these banks may have been reporting those loans as uh, as uh, small business loans for examination purposes, on a loan by loan ba case, case by case basis, they can claim one loan to be qualified for community development, another loan to be qualified under the small business loan test. So it does apply on a loan by loan basis. You can pick and choose which definition to apply according to your bank's needs at the time of the exam. Wow. Uh, I know my head's spinning, Lynn. Uh, <laughs> that's a mm -hmm. lot uh, to take in in just a short period of time. So yes, encourage people to go back and re-listen to this because it's certainly helpful and useful information. Uh, do you have any other thoughts or advice for our listeners today? Yeah, one final point I'll make today is what many bankers think they can't get credit for community development activities outside their assessment areas. That's a mistake. Every bank should claim and ask for credit for any community development activities that are qualified anywhere as such. A bank can get credit towards an outstanding community development performance rating for any community development activities outside the assessment area once it's been established that the community development activities the banks claimed are sufficient for a satisfactory rating inside the assessment area. So my advice to today's listeners is don't give up on community development activities that you're involved in outside your defined communities, outside your assessment area, because you can get credit for them, especially if you've already established that you've done enough uh, community development activity inside your assessment area. Don't give up on the opportunity to get that outstanding performance rating by claiming community development activities outside your assessment area. What a tremendous refresher, Len. And I, I tell you, every time I hear CRA, uh, the, the, the hair on the back of my neck kind of stands up and, and gets me, it gets me a little angst. But uh, uh, then when you start drilling into CRA and we start talking about community development, it gets even more, uh, in my opinion, a little confusing. So um, I, uh, I, I know our audience must be uh, very happy that you address this particular topic today as best you could within the timeframes uh, that we typically like to establish. So I appreciate that. Uh, this is Dean Stockford from M&M Consulting. And this is Len Suzio of Geodata Vision saying, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to send us your suggestions for future podcast topics. Thanks for listening to the Compliance 911 Show. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, please give us a like and review to help others find the show. 
As always, links are in the show notes, and you can always find us online at compliance911show.com. Follow M&M Consulting and Geodata Vision on LinkedIn for all the latest news and information on compliance hot topics.